0: this for this week and kind of these last weeks of summer before we jump into the fall um we we might hear some things from what's called the lectionary which is this i mentioned this in an email but like it's this really convenient thing so that whoever's preaching doesn't have to decide what to preach about um there's they break kind of all of the juiciest morsels of the Bible into sections and spread it out over this three-year period. So if you were were to go to a church that read from the lectionary for three years, you would kind of cover everything. You would get like all of the sort of, um, uh, you know, great stories from the older Testament, like the parables, the, you know, sort of Jesus's whole life. You would get it all from all the different angles. Um, And we don't we don't do the lectionary all the time, but often when we're not doing themes like or series, that's a place that we go to. Um, one of the cool things about it is that if you go to a church, maybe in Peoria or in, uh, maybe in Tennessee, um, that also uses the lectionary, if, even if you're away from home, you might hear the same part of the Bible, the same scripture as your home church. And like, I sometimes think it's cool. To imagine, even Catholic, like the Protestants kind of cop this from the Catholics, even Catholic churches all over the country, all over the world, might be doing the same part of the Bible too. And it's kind of a kind of a cool thing, like, like now, all these people are thinking about it. Um, so even within that, there's this sort of choice, and I chose what I thought was one of the hardest things to preach about. All of the readings were about food in some way. I don't know if that's a coincidence or if they sometimes thematically organize it. But they were also about wisdom. And so some of them were very clear, uh, like um, using food as a metaphor um, for for things that our soul needs, for wisdom. This one, I look at it and it's like, it sort of makes me uncomfortable. It's, um, it's hard to sort of do the thing where we uh, Oh, this is a this is a symbol. It's like no, Jesus is saying like eat my body, drink my blood, and you'll live forever. And it's like um, kind of uh, uncomfortable and gross. Like I don't want to look at it in some ways. But um, I think it's good to look at gross things. Maybe even eat gross things sometimes. Things we think are gross. So I'm a very picky eater. um, And well, I would never have said that. I would have never. Uh, classified myself as picky, until I married um, a beautiful wife named Allison, who uh, has has said, um, well, so let me back up. The way I think of myself is I'm an adventurous eater. I'm exploratory. I'm always looking for something new, like if there's a vegetable or a dish or a combination of flavors or an ethnic cuisine I haven't tried, I'm like, Sign me up. I want to do that. Um, and I uh, like I like things that are really good. I like trying new restaurants, and um, I like things that are delicious. Um, and Allison's approach is a little different. It's like sometimes you just need to get food on the table. Sometimes you need to just like have something to eat. Um, and she gets annoyed with me a little bit. I didn't know I was so annoying. I um, I've never had a nickname in my life before. And I've always felt a little wistful about that. Like, why haven't people given me a nickname until Allison a few months ago started calling me "Delicious"? Like, hey, Delicious, what's what's for dinner? <laughs> um, and I was like, well, that's not like a cute like, hey, sweetie. That's like a little bit of a teasing nickname. Uh, I wasn't teased a lot as a kid either, which like, so that's a newer thing for me. Um, and I like I was like, well, it was a new sensation. I like this, but it ah, it's a little. <laughs> It's a little too close to true. Neolicious. Uh, Neolicious. Mm. MC Neolicious. Um, so, so delicious. So, uh, it's, there's truth. It's like, I feel like teasing is a good, should be a spiritual practice. Like, we should get teased <laughs> by people who love us and who also know exactly what our um, flaws out. are. That, yeah. No, exactly. Just do a Just, yeah, just let loose. Uh, I want to grow spiritually. Tease me. Um, <laughs> So but seriously, I mean when, when it's the right kind of tease, when it picks on something that, you know, that's gentle, it's like not trying to, you know, make you feel like a piece of crap, but making try to like gently prod you, it can be good. So I um, there's actually some truth like beyond just the dynamics of our relationship. C. S. Lewis in this one of my favorite books um, about Christianity, the Screwtape letters. Has anyone read that? It's like a dialogue between the devil, between Satan and one of his servants, his minions. They're trying to like get this guy to go join join the ranks of hell, and they um, kind of goes through all the sins. And for the sin of gluttony, which we think of as like overeating, the example they use is uh, an older woman who is um, very delicate in her eating. She's like, oh no no no, that's that's way too much. I just you know like. Or, or she has a very picky, kind of um, discerning taste. That 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 it's called delicacy. Like I only eat delicacies is a form of gluttony. It's a form of um, of, a, of like a, an unhealthy uh, attachment of pleasurable uh, sensations only to eating. It's it's like a glutton stuffs their face with as much as they can. A delicate eater, which. Um, delicious, Mr. Delicious may fall under that category, is a different kind of glutton, actually. Um, So those are just some background thoughts. Here's Jesus talking about about food and drink. And he's talking about it in this really intense, in your face way about um, eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And that that's the true food and the true drink. This comes, interestingly, after, the, the scene in John where like he feeds five thousand people with just a few loaves of bread and wine and it's kind of like okay that's cool like you you like me you follow me you're into this movement because you're you're getting sustained you're getting materially food but like the real food is my body and my blood so what does this mean so oh not and, and not just when I, when I say real food or true food it's like it's somehow eating this food gives you eternal life. So, it's clearly symbolic. The Bible is full of food symbolism, in the Psalms and Proverbs. Like I said, there's like wisdom is often compared to food. Like, like eat this, uh, eat this wisdom, imbibe this wisdom. Um, in in Jeremiah, it's like God, God saying, eat eat this and it'll bring you joy. Eat my spirit. Um, in in Ezekiel, this guy, there's a scene where someone eats a scroll and it. It tastes sweet in the mouth, but then it's bitter, and then that happens again in Revelation. There's like eating, and and wisdom is all over, and it's this beautiful symbol for like what we put in to our lives, and how it relates to us being whole, healthy, um, in relationship with the divine, with one another. Um, but here, it's a little different. It's not. It's not. Um, it's a little more, like I was saying, it's not just like, here are some principles, take them into your life. It's like, here is my body. This is what you need. So um, the, uh, the, the, the allegory rubs up against our, our, like, our desire to just keep it a safe allegory. One way it does that also is by talking about eternal life. So. I just want you all to pause for a second with me and think, like, okay, are there things, like, like I said, there's these two kind of modes of relating to eating, like eating for pleasure and delight and flavor. Like Allison, Allison is not saying you shouldn't enjoy your food. It's just saying that that there's this other side to it too. Sometimes you just need to eat. When I was a bachelor, I sometimes would like go for long periods of time not eating and forget, and then. Um, like not, not be being tuned with my need to eat. Anyways, there's so there's this other side which is sustenance, like 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 giving us enough fuel to live, to go forward, to be alive. I think um, here here like this this symbol too. It's like what if we thought about? Are there things in your life? Put Jesus to the side for a second. Is there are there like. Ways of being, or ways of living, or or something that you should pay attention to—that is as important to you as food. That is, that is, if you go without it, if you don't have this in your life, you'll starve. You'll maybe die. Like, are like, do we take it? Do we take how we live, how we are, as seriously as that? And I think, I mean, if you're anything like me, sometimes we do. But we can go for long stretches where we. Uh, Forget to eat. The other other thing, like this, is pointing to is like we can kind of misread it. I think as oh, this is about having a kind of a cool thing. Like um, it tastes good. Uh, 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 Spirituality or or religion or faith um, is like um, a new experience, a fun experience. A new restaurant, a new dish it 's something that like that is exciting. it adds some spice and flavor to our life, um, but so does like a new novel we read, or so does like that movie everyone 's talking about it 's like another fun experience that gives some flavor to your life and well, I think that a life of faith can, bring, can help us savor life more, I think that that's not really what's going on here. I think it's more the like, if you don't eat this kind of food, you'll die. Like, you'll, like you can't thrive. Um, so I said before that it's not just this kind of abstract wisdom. Jesus is talking about a particular body, in a particular place, and uh, it's a human body. And it's a human body that, when he says this, we can't help think what happens to that body. When he says, eat my flesh, drink my blood, we can't help but think of the beaten and battered body, the spilled blood. And I know that's intense, but like that's what he's talking about. Um, and it's in contemplating that particular body and what happened particularly to it, why it died, an, an act of, of, of self-giving love to others, that points immediately beyond it into all the particular bodies that surround us, that are in this room, that are in our life, our own particular body um, that, that we would rather not. It's not always a fun, exciting new dish. It's actually the stuff that we don't want to you know eat that I was talking about. It's the, it's the um, unpleasant, uh, maybe bitter, Tasting things we need, but it's it's not just that. It's also the risen body. So in in uh, the Christian understanding, um, the the crucifixion, right, is not just the sight of that bruised, mutilated body. It's also pointing to what is just beyond it, the body that is risen, the body that shares a meal. Like Jesus appears with uh, his disciples. They don't recognize him, but they break bread together. They like cook some fish on the beach together. It's also pointing to that body, this like glorious, uh, transcendent, hope-filled, luminous body. Um, and so it's so when, when Jesus says, eat my blood, eat my body, eat my flesh, drink my blood, it's pointing us to those two, which immediately point beyond into the real bodies in our lives and telling us how to direct our attention. Um, And and then the crazier claim is that how we direct our attention, if we're directing them to these bruised bodies and these luminous risen bodies, these beautiful moments of just joy and peace that we can find, that's a key to tasting eternity, to eternal life. So. I, I, I want to make this. I want to like push this, and, and really, uh, even though it's, I do it with some fear and trembling, um, to say that we can taste eternity, that we can taste eternal life, and we can do it in this life. Um, so, classically, like. Theologians in Christianity have debated what does eternity mean? What is eternal life? When Jesus talks about it, when we say God is eternal, what the heck does that mean? And there are actually two kinds of eternity, it turns out. And people go back and forth. One is eternity as timelessness, as outside of time. So it's sort of like this is the eternity that, in that Dostoevsky quote where he's like, we often think of eternity as this hard to fathom, unfathomable beyond thing. It's, it's a little bit of that. It's a little bit. You know, everything we experience in our life, eternity is not that. (laughs) All the like, you know that feeling you have like, oh, this was such a beautiful day, and it's gone. It slips into the past. Well, eternity, um, things don't slip into the past. But they don't stick around either, because sticking around is kind of moving through time, right? It's just kind of, yeah, you don't really get it, but it's trust us. Eternity is awesome. God is there, and you'll be there if you believe in that. That's one kind of eternity. The other kind is eternity as, um, well, there's this fancy name, sempaternity. But it means eternity sort of as infinite lastingness, everlastingness. Like, like that moment of, of, of joy you had, it's going to keep happening. Or the moment when after the joy subsided and you faced maybe some boredom or some Sadness or just just the struggle to, to keep being a joyful person. That's somehow in eternity too. So eternity is not outside of time, it's time everlasting. Um, and I think a lot of a lot of theology, like a lot of so people debate this. Like liberal Christians will often say, oh, conservative Christians have this totally infantile, this like immature idea of heaven, of like they can't really accept death and mortality. So they have this like magical fairyland, where we're on clouds, and everything's all good, and it lasts forever. Um, true eternity is uh, acknowledging life has an endpoint, but we can maybe experience moments of it here. We can experience like that William Blake quote, that poem, um, the world in a grain of sand, eternity in an hour. Like, if we're really present and we pay attention when we're with our friends, when we're with our loved ones, when we're looking at the, like a spider web, I thought it was kind of cool. Patrick's video had a spider in it because Dostoevsky was saying it's like what he's saying. Like, imagine a room with some spider webs in it. It's just a gray kind of room. What if that's eternity? A lot of people think that's that's all we've got. So there's like these moments of sparkling, luminous peace and joy that kind of ha- break into another dimension, the eternal dimension, here in our lives, within the temporal. That comes maybe through contemplating death, like through eating the food of Jesus' broken body. But it also has this resurrected, luminous, like I'm reaching up to the eternal dimension quality. I think that's part of the story. But just like there's two ways to eat food, there's these two kinds of flesh. I think. Somehow, both ideas of eternity are what we are meant to kind of want to taste. We're meant to like become hungrier and thirstier for. Because that eternal dimension in life is actually um, what happens when we're really present with one another. When we think of these moments as somehow um, breaking through time into another dimension that is, uh, that is. Even when it passes, it's not sad because it's, it's there for eternity. But I also think that the other kind, this kind of continued in time, is what's going on too. Because that's the work, the hard, slow work of putting food on the table. The, the slow work of not just tasting the delightful moments, tasting the new, exciting moments, but the, the kind of sometimes you just need to Get through a day. Sometimes we need to um, be there for someone, even though it's not the most pleasurable thing. Sometimes we need to um, sit with our confusion and our frustration for a while. And the better we get at that, sitting through the mundane moments or the even painful moments, the more we grow, the more we're capable of the beautiful, shattering, delightful moments. And the idea here is that that process doesn't stop. Jesus doesn't say, it's going to be, you're going to, you're going to experience timelessness, this kind of distant, hard to fathom, out of time. Trust me. You don't know what it is, trust, but it's going to be good. Trust me. There's also this eternal life. Life means to grow and change. That, that process of growing and changing, of experiencing beautiful moments and then Going through hardship, that may continue as well. Um, A friend of a friend of mine said to me once: He um, he suffered a pretty hard loss in his life, and he thought about it. You know, you know, people saying, um, uh, and, and Tim actually talked about this a little bit last week too. Like how it's not always reassuring when someone's like, "Oh, they're in heaven; it's okay." Like just feel good about it, or like everything is okay in heaven. My friend said. When he thought back on the moments with this person, some of the best moments were the struggles. And he's like, I don't want to go to a place where there's no struggle. And like heaven has just this kind of floaty thing. And it's like, what if, what if our idea of heaven or the eternal includes that? It's, it's life stretched. It's life to the infinite power, um, but it's growing and it's getting better at experiencing those blissful moments of peace where we don't yearn, where what we're tasting, what we're eating, (laughs) and what we're tasting is exactly what we want to taste. Amen.